Welcome to Ana Conversations with Myanmar. If you'd like to add your voice to the conversation here at Ana, please reach out to us through any of our social media platforms or you can email us directly. This conversation features Japao, a Burmese writer, singer, producer, artist, and founder of Bipolar Bear Records. Following the coup in February, he was very active in the anti-coup movement. During this time, he worked with Raymond, Hanetar, and Novem II to release a single, Headshot, which highlighted the human rights abuses by the military and the courageous counter-protests of the people. He is the son of Ringo, one of Myanmar's famous classic rockers. Japao has carved out a niche in Myanmar's music industry with his punk, funk, hip-hop-infused rock and mind-bending electronic creations. He is best known for his famous punk rock band, Big Bag, which has released 10 albums. After almost 20 years of producing nationwide hits for the band and other top 10 artists in Myanmar, he finally decided to release his very first solo album, Cinematicus, in 2020. Despite his huge success and fame, he has risked it all to show his opposition to the military by standing with the people and joining the protests. In April, warrants for his arrest were issued by the military under Section 505 of the Penal Code. Here he talks about his involvement in the civil disobedience movement post-coup, the brutality of the military, the plight of his country, his music, his art, and his family's situation now that they have been forced to flee Yangon. Let's start the conversation. Hello, can you hear us? Hello, guys. Hey, Hi. how are you? Hey, I'm good. Hi. <laughs> nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. I'm going to say so your you, name. You guys have to wake up early? I think it's early in UK. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'm in Ireland and Ruth is in the UK, but same time. It's uh, it's noon, like twelve thirty in the afternoon, so not too early. Right. Uh, okay. 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 Yeah. I thought it was like early in the morning. I'm sorry. No. No. All um, right. So I was saying your name. I'm going to say it, and you're going to say I'm saying it wrong. <laughs> is it Jopal? Jopal? Jopal. Yeah. Jopal. Yeah. But you can call me KP. You know, KP. Uh, oh, that's even better. <laughs> KP. Yeah. <laughs> Most of my English friends, they call me KP, yeah. KP, It's yeah. easier for them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How bad does that make us look? <laughs> we don't even say names. <laughs> it's just, Thank you for that. Yeah, it looks nothing <laughs> like it sounds. Like, you know, I was like, Kappa, Kair, Paco. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Some of the people, they call me Jada. And I was like, yeah, forget it. Just call me KP. And it's fine. So... We really wanted to talk to you just to get a sense of everything that a lot has happened, obviously, for you in the last few months. And when I was explaining to people here in Ireland about you and that we were talking to you, and I was trying to think of your equivalent in the Western world, like who you would be. And I was like, trying to think like you're, you're kind of punk rock, but you're kind of electric, you're funk. You're... I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a jamming band. Yeah. So our band is basically a jamming band. We play, you know, a wide variety of music. So. You are basically quite famous in Myanmar and you've kind of, I think so. <laughs> like for us, we're kind of like, you haven't made, like, you know, you're, you're a rock star, you're famous, you're even an artist. Like we've seen a lot of your work in terms of art as well. And yet here you are in, in 2021 and, and you've kind of given it all up essentially for something yeah. bigger. 
It's crazy when you think about it. So tell us a little bit about you so we get a sense of who you were like before all of this happened this year and what your life was. Well, I, yeah, as I told you, I was in a band and my band made it really big. And then I slowly switched to a music producership. Like I produce for other people and I'm starting my own label. And I was about to start my own talk show, collaboration with uh, some radio stations. And I got some plans, a lot of plans. You know, I even have to hire another manager because my former manager, he can't handle all this stuff. And then all in a sudden, like today I hired my new manager. And then the day after tomorrow, all, all this shit happened. And yeah, I have to cancel everything and I have to leave the house. Were you like immediately, was there ever a question that you were going to fight this? Or did you think I could keep my head down, keep my success, say nothing? Like, was that even a thought that entered your head? No, the thing is, it started way before the coup. That was our last election. So at the last election, I kind of like, I was very active in to promote NLD's campaign. So I wrote their theme song and I... Uh, sing gig for them. And, you know, you know, I, I was like clearly supporting them. And then I released this NLD campaign theme song, right? And then I, I used General Newen. Do you, do you know General Newen? Yeah. <laughs> he is the founding father of all the hunters in Burma. So I used his last speech as a DJ scratching sound and I, I sampled his voice. And I put it in, in my song. And since that time, I got like several lawsuits. And then some people like texted me and said they, they're going to kill me and shit. But at that time, we were under NLD government. You know, we got our democratic government. So I didn't care. I know they can't do shit. You know, they can't sue me and anything like that. So however, how many people that they're going to sue me, I, I didn't give a fuck. But then, yeah, after the coup, right at the coup, very early in the morning, this reggae singer who used to do the campaign theme song for NLD, like I did, he got arrested in five in the morning. And then my manager called me, okay, you're going to be next. You're going to be next, you know, because at that time, the song that I used General Even Voice in, it hit like 2.3 million or something. So my manager said, you know, you definitely pissed them off. So, you know, it's better you, you leave. So I did. On the first day of the, the coup on February 1st, I had to leave my house. You know, I packed up and I, I had to bring my kids and dog in the car and I leave. And you've been pretty much then on the run or in hiding since February 1st. Since pretty much, yeah, yeah, the, the first week. And then in April, and they did actually issue a 505 for you. Is that right? Yeah, it was, it was funny because <laughs> I got out of town and I was in a relatively safe place, right? And then I was like, they didn't put out a rope warrant or anything like that at that time. So I was like, okay, maybe I can go back to Yangon and protest because I want to protest. I wanted to protest. You know, I want to, because it's the least you can do. You need to, you know, shout something back at them, like, you know, saying you don't like them. So yeah, and many other steps I wanted to do. So I sneak back into Yangon and I joined the protest and I, I started some protests. I took part in the defense line because they started to shoot people. So we, we hold the shields and we cover the protesters so that they can't, you know, shoot directly at them. So that was my activities. And then I joined in with other people, other artists group during the protest. And I released another song during the coup, during that protest hot season. And then I released another song. 
And I think that finally led me to be in the Warren list. That song. Was the headshot that song? Yeah, how do you know? Oh, I, <laughs> I'm very good at stalking you. No, <laughs> research. <laughs> no, it's not stalking. I, I wouldn't call it stalking. You, you did your homework. I did my homework. Headshot, yeah. And Raymond did that song with you as well. Is that right? Yeah, it's me, Raymond, and Novam, and Haneta. We're like four friends. We all produce our own stuff. We got our own project, but we met in the protest. And then we talk and we're like, okay, you know, we have to release at least one song, you know, to shoot them back. So in the and, middle of this, you, you yeah. all got together in the middle of all of this happening and produced the song. We were in the protest session. Yeah. That's we, were, crazy. We, we met on the road. At that time, we knew that we, all four of us, we couldn't go back to homes, our homes, you know, because we are all being watched. So we sneak into another friend's house. And then we recorded it with everything we have there, just laptop and, you know, some samplers and, you know, it, it's fun. But then DVB, the media, the anti-government media, the media we trusted, and it made lyric videos of it with the shots of them killing people. I think that started the spot. And then the next day after that, I got warrant, like officially, and I was in the list twice because <laughs> I got two names. And so they make sure I don't. <laughs> I don't go away. <laughs> yeah, because we, we heard of some people who did get out, celebrities, where they had the band's name on the list, but not the person's name. And they managed to get through the airport early on because their name wasn't on the list. It was their band's some name. Pe- some people, yeah, they got away. But, you know, they made sure I didn't because, you know, all my band names and like my address and, you know, I, I got two names and they put two names in different places. And they stick my pictures at the checkpoints so that I can't get out of Burma. So also your father is quite famous in Myanmar. Yeah, yeah. He still is. He still has some fans of his own. Yes. So you grew up obviously in that background with your father in music. So you would have experienced all the censorship and all the difficulties in trying to be individual or have your own voice in music. Is that what inspired you to go down the road you did? Because you're very um, unique in your sound and what you produce. Yeah, I, of course, I've encountered like a lot of censorship, you know, related problems since my father's age. But from what I can see in my father's age, in his years, right? Not many people are like trying to poke the system. So, you know, they were not allowed to write many things rather than, you know, love songs and, you know, very soft you know, you, you can put many messages in it. And people didn't want to try, like, to break the rules. But in our era, you know, in our generation, we started to do, you know, hip-hop started, like, in Myanmar back in 2000. And then all this punk rock and, you know, all these post-grunge bands and, you know, many movements are, like, coming up. And then we started to write different lyrics rather than love and hate. And, you know, we started to mock the system and stuff. So I, myself, had a very big time of, I have a lot of problems with the censorship when it was there because I started very early. I started producing when I was 17. So until I was 29, 30, there was censorship. Wow. So I, I was in their blacklist. <laughs> yeah. You've always been a rebel. Not rebel, but I can't be in the lines because their lines are too narrow. You know, you, you can't, you can't stretch. They don't want you to think starting ways and you, they're too much control and, yeah, I couldn't, I, I couldn't breathe in it. Yeah. And you've also like, you've become quite well known in the art scene in the last few years as well. Is that something that you always had an interest in or did that come later? No, I think to me, fame and success is, is just byproduct. 
you know, I never aim for that. I just want to like make music and I, I did many stuff. I write and I publish books. I draw cartoons and now I'm still drawing cartoons for some anti-government medias. So, and I'm a multi-instrumentalist. I was like just trying to occupy myself. That's all. And I just want to make art every day. Yeah. And people, you know, gradually accepted it, I think. Yeah. And you've continued throughout this whole time as well to keep producing work and art. How do you do that in your current situation? How do you find the motivation even? This is, this is my habit. When I was in the big studios, I recorded there. And, you know, even when you don't have any equipment, now I only have just one sampler machine and a computer to record it with. And, you know, I make music or like I make art with whatever I have. And I'm making it just for the sake of wanting to make it. That's all. You know, not to publish it or not for fame or money or anything. I, I just want to make it daily basis. It's like, like breathing or eating. Yeah. It's just, you have to do it to survive. It's, it's like it's in you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like instinct kind of thing. Yeah. And you have your own podcast as well. Is that right? Yes. Mm. Yes. It's in Burmese. I, I started it yeah. two months ago, I think. Yeah. Yeah. We tried to listen, but it's in Burmese. So <laughs> we yes, didn't I, understand. I, I made it on Papos. Yeah. Because you see, Many generations, like this later generation, they don't know how the actual separation was back then, you know, because I was born in 83. So we had this 1988 uprising and then 2007 Saffron Revolution. So, you know, I, I've seen them and I, I've seen them shooting people, shooting monks and everything, you know, but this young generation, they don't know. They don't know that they have no idea, you know, how they changed and shaped our past education. The whole education system was like really screwed up. So I have to repeat that. I need to tell them these are the procedures that hunters are going to do. You know, they're going to fix our history again. You know, they're going to manipulate the education system and they're going to make us dumb. And I can't let that happen. So I was trying to reveal what they did in the past, you know, to get it passed to the next generation. The popularity of your pre-coup song where you sampled me when. Do you think it was so popular because people were listening to that message because the younger generation were tuning in and listening to what you had to say there? Or was it just that they liked the music and the political aspect of it was second burner? I think there are many factors to it because prior to that song, the military group and the parties representing them, they released a song, such a big propaganda song, like saying, you know, all these parties are the same, you know, we want to go to the same road and, you know, we all want to do the country better and all that kind of shit. And normally I don't jump into those kind of stuff because, you know, as an artist, I don't think it's fair to sell my beliefs, you know, to my fans or, you know, to the listeners. I, I don't feel like it. But then this guy, the propaganda song that they released, that itched my mind. And, you know, I, I was like, okay, this is too much of a bullshit and I have to reply to that. And then at the same time, the NLD contacted me. They are like, okay, we need a theme song, you know, in reply to that, because they are like spreading the shit. So, yeah, then I jumped in. So, my message was, uh, the song is called Chao Ke, right? It's in Myanmar, it's a bit of wordplay in Burmese language. It's, it's primitive age, like stone age. At the same time, Chao, it means another word of it, it's fear. So, it's the age of fear. So, I make everything short and, you know, short to the point. This happened, this happened, this happened, and you know, this can happen again. So I think people got the message. And the song is fun. <laughs> I had fun, at least. When I was looking at some of your work, and I was thinking, like, 
for me, I'm trying to imagine you, you know, were living the dream that most people dream of, you know, growing up, getting the career you've always wanted, a huge fan base, getting to do what you love every single day. And then for that just to be gone, just like that, it's, well, it's not because to be fair to you, you are still creating stuff every day, but in many ways, a whole generation's lives are just gone. Just, it's, it's, it's crazy. You know, you see this all around the world in different countries. And I think for us, because obviously we lived in Myanmar and our friends are there for us, we just, we're still processing how that can happen, how like the whole world can just be turned upside down yeah. for everybody. Like, how do you cope with that? I think it's mainly because I'm a Buddhist. That's one thing I, I'm sure because I'm very, you know, naturally I'm very easy to accept it, but it is hard though. You know, right before the coup, I finished building my own studio. It's huge. You know, I got everything I have. I put it in there. You know, I invested. You know, we, we all got our dreams and, you know, one morning and it's all pressed down, right? But at that time, the minute I heard about the coup news, the first thing that came into my mind is I can't let that happen to my kids again. That's all. That's the, the main force that, you know, pushed me toward going out and, you know, thinking about leaving everything and, you know, I can still live there if I don't oppose them, you know, I can still make my business, you know, it's easier for me if I don't oppose them, but I can't let that happen again, you know, it's bullshit. And if I stay there, if I keep living there, it's because of me, because I'm comfortable there, it won't be fair for my kids. You know, I can't let them grow up in this kind of country. That's the first thing that, that came to my mind. Are your children with you now? Yes, they are. How are they coping? Yeah, it, it, it was it was very tough. It was very tough for everyone, you know, every single one in the family. You know, they can't get it. They can't get a hold of it. They don't understand what happened, you know. They're like, where is your studio? You know, why why do we have to leave? But I have to tell them it took time. You know, last three, four months is very tough. Yeah. What age are they? It's two daughters you have, isn't it? Two girls. Yes, I have. One is 14 and another is okay. 7. So kind of key ages as well. You know, I can imagine how hard it must be for them. Their whole world just upside down. Yeah, but they are aware that their father did something that pissed off the government. So, and they saw the video, you know, the cops came to my house and crashed down my front door and stuff. So that pretty much explained them. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Well, it's, it's good that you're safe and that you did get out as well, but it's just, it's hit so many people and so many age groups and I just can't see how people will ever get over this. You know, whatever comes next is just the trauma of everything that people have yes, been through. Yes, the trauma, yeah. I think one of the things now, as I say, like I haven't listened to the podcast because it's in Burmese and my Burmese is just not there. <laughs> but I know from talking to people that you speak very openly about depression and things like that. Is mental health something that you're becoming more aware of? No, that's just one episode that I featured in. Oh, okay. It was hosted by my friend's podcast and I, I put it on my channel. That's all. But the rest of it is I'm talking about the history. We got a very twisted history, you know, mm -hmm. Army's history. And most, most people are still believing it was true. So I'm like, kind of like debunking them. Mm -hmm. Yep. Sorry. No, I'm just thinking like young people, like you've got such a huge following as well. So I mean, that's a really great thing to do is to, to re-educate them because so many people listen to you. Yeah. And, and going back to your education as well, you said that you were very aware that of how much they blocked it to a certain point. So what got you interested in the politics and how did you access that information to make you more aware of the extent that they've done that? Uh, my grandfather, he reads a lot and he got his own library, like very small library in his house. And, you know, 
this British colonizing history, right? We got a totally different perspective in our own history book. And I was talking about it with my grandfather, and he's like, no, that was all wrong. And these are the books that actual, you know, creditable people wrote, and he gave me that, and I was like, shit, you know. I was shocked when I got a hold of those kind of books. So I think that started it. And then I was like, why did they lie? You know, why did they spend so much time and so much plans to change our mindset, you know, over our country and all the political issues before? And yeah, I think that's about it. That started me to trace, you know, the alternative source of the knowledge. And what did they teach you in schools? Okay, our history book, the first history book that we encountered, it's based on heroism. It's myth. You know, we got this mythology and like North Korea, you know, in North Korea, their, their leader is born from the sun and all the cranes bird, you know, trying to carry the bodies and stuff, you know, all that made up stories. So you have like a prince that can like climb lots of trees and is it that history? Is that you, what you're you, talking about? Even before that, the first thing they introduced is like he killed the dinosaur and shit like that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> in long story short. <laughs> and it's not been taught as mythology, it's been taught as factual history, is it? The facts, yes. Oh, yeah. It actually happened in that kind of place, you know, in that area of <laughs> Myanmar and all that bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know, since I knew that it was not important and it wasn't true, I actually stopped learning. I just tried to, like, survive yeah. in exams, you know, I, I because it irritates me, you know, because... Some of the lessons are very, very, they can be very, very silly and stupid. Plus, it's very complicated to actually know the accents of it. You can't reach to the core because so much manipulations and so much narratives. And- so I'm just assuming then that more recently in that five years of relative freedom and democracy, that your average Myanmar child got access to more questioning, more freedom to think differently. Yeah. Yes. And that is why there is such a big resistance now. It's not just the internet. It's not yes. Just- you know, the past five years, it gives us enough knowledge how the actual freedom feels like. Yeah. You know, we had a glimpse of it. And, you know, how other people in other countries are, you know, walking and doing and thinking, you know, it all flows to us. And just because I know we do have a lot of people listening to us in different countries, but we do quite a lot in Myanmar and, and Burmese. So if they don't know about what they probably know about your podcast, but where would they find it? You're on Spotify, I think, is it? Or a few I different- think it's pretty much every though. podcast. What? Yes, yes, iPodcast, Spotify, yes, and Google Podcast. Yeah, so it's on all the major ones, so wherever they listen to podcasts, they'll so. find it. What's yes. it called? Ninety two point oh mama. <laughs> but it, <laughs> where did that name come 90, from? Ninety two point actually it's your mama, you know. <laughs> I, I just wanted to be a bit witty. Just, you know, it's my own kind of, you know, inside joke, I think. <laughs> you do have a good sense of humor. And actually, the person who put us in contact with you said, I said, oh, I'm really looking forward to chatting to him. Now. You're going to love his attitude. <laughs> You'll just love his attitude. <laughs> yeah, here we are. <laughs> in terms of, I guess, I mean, this is a big question and I don't expect you to have the answer, but there's obviously a lot of talk now of what's next for Myanmar. Will there be, you know, a violent uprising, fighting back with arms, this kind of guerrilla warfare? I'm just wondering if that doesn't work, you know, if it doesn't work and it's not successful for the people, what then? How do people go on? Do do people just have to try and leave the country or or what do you see? Like So much brain drain, that's for one. It will happen now, it's still happening because many people who has a brain, you know, will see that 
this is not gonna finish soon. I mean, they are never gonna go away. They, they're gonna stay. You know, the military. You know, they plan big times. And I think they're gonna make the country reach to the point where everything is totally flat out, dry and complete destruction. I think so. I think that's what, what's gonna happen if the revolution is not successful. They're gonna take out everything they can, you know, for their own benefit. Do you think that they, they, there's a miscalculation on their part in terms of how much resistance they were going to face from the public? Do you think that they had any idea that that much people would kind of stand up against them? I think nothing will stop them. You know, like, they will calculate that, you know, but they might not think this amount of people will, you know, go against them. But they will, I'm sure they'll think about the possible outcome, but not this much. You know, this is like too far. All the people, you know, everyone came out to do protest them, right? But still, they won't be stopped. They won't stop. You know, they're going to do what, because I've seen them. I've seen it. I've seen the story, you know, carry this up like repeatedly. Like they're going to shoot whoever it is, the religious people, you know, nuns, monks, you name it, you know, teachers, doctors, nurses. They will shoot whoever the hell, you know, stands in the way. They won't stop. So how do the people keep going this time? I mean, in the past, when it looked like the people were going to succeed, like in 88, just when it looked like the people had won, they didn't. Like, what can they learn from past mistakes to keep resisting? Or, or how do you keep going at times like this? I think the, the thing we learn from the past revolution is now we are more connected and we learn how to trust each other. You know, we learn how to communicate each other well because, you know, we didn't have much connections and there are too many groups before revolutions. So we were not actually messed up. You know, we were not actually come together as one. We didn't. But now I think people are more connected and knowledge wise, you know, we got like five years of pure democracy, right? I mean, not pure democracy, but we got internet and, you know, past five years. So I think that five years, change a lot of people, you know, their way of thinking and everything. But still, you know, they have the gun. (laughs) (laughs) That sums it up. So do you think that is the only answer, disarmed revolution, like a kind of fight back with guns? No, no, I'm a a bit negative. I'm a bit like negative viewing kind of person because it's not being negative. It's just, you know, I actually know how vicious and brainless they are, you know. So... No moral value will stop them, you know. They have no moral value. So, you know, if it is killing that it takes, they will do it. And if it is a genocide, they will do it, you know. So, in terms of when I think then of your two daughters, what do you see for their future now in Myanmar? No future. That's why we left. Mm -hmm. I I don't want to, you know, it's only going down, you know. And I don't want them to grow up in such age that we had to grow up all our life, you know. It was very bad. It was very bad. And do you feel you can build a life for your family where you are now? Is that possible? I don't think I have a choice because if I go back to Bangla, you know, if they catch me, they will definitely terminate me. You know, there are too much hate. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, I want to live like a human, you know, once in a while. I need to. I think I deserve that. I mean, everyone deserves that, you know, to live and think, being able to think like a human does. They're going to control your thoughts if this goes on. So do you think, like, for most people, they will either have to try to leave in some way or try to... How do the people who are still stuck in the cities and stuff, how, how do they continue? They just have to find a way to live under that control? 
people are finding their own ways to cope up with that. And some people, they're starting to do the business because, you know, nobody can trust us the whole year around, right? They need to, you know, find money for the families and, you know, to make money. But I think the wall might happen, but I'm not sure, you know, what's going to happen next. But in this case, they're going, you know, with this suppression and with this amount of people they've killed, it definitely has impacted a lot of people already. So I think, you know, some kind of like fighting back is going to happen. Yeah, I guess for some people, there's no like, there's no other option because, I mean, if they don't fight back, then they die anyway. You know, it's kind of it's not a good solution for them. But I'm just thinking in terms of like, obviously, we don't know exactly where you are, but I imagine it's it's a far different from the life that you've just left. So you have to kind of start all over again. Do you in terms of even educating your children and things like that? Is that that even possible now? Yeah, I, we're trying to just spend time together. You know, like I, I teach them here, maths and stuff. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, I wish it's not going to be long. If I don't have them, if I'm single and, you know, if I don't have kids, I will still be there. I'll be in Myanmar. I won't leave. Yeah. And in terms of, am I right in thinking that one of your paintings is a raffle prize for the... Yes, yeah, raffle tickets. Yes, they're selling it. Yeah, I give them one of my drawings. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. So what's your thoughts on the NUG? Do you think that that's a good solution? Are you critical of them? Are you apprehensive? Do you support them? I think we need those kind of, uh, you know, another contemporary government because, you know, at least we need someone, you know, some organization to give us the true information and at the same time connect with other countries. You know, like diplomatically, it's official. We needed it. And those energy people, are we, we elected them. We voted for them, you know. Because we do. In the last, in the uh, last election. Yeah, that, that's a good election, point yes. that you make. But we do hear these kind of, you know, people being more and more critical of them. I think sometimes when things like this happen, people decide to just be critical of everything, you know, and everybody. But there is a need for a government, and even if it's not a perfect government, and it's it's a damn sight better than the military. <laughs> but we see a lot of people joining the PDFs, joining the resistance. But we're starting to hear more people kind of skeptical of NUG, you know. But that's why I was curious to see if you were skeptical or supportive. But you seem supportive. Yes, because I'm sure they're doing what they're supposed to, you know. And I hope they know what they're doing, you know. <laughs> I, I'm sure that you know, but. You know, when it comes down to this, like, who's going to kill and who's not going to? You know, that's our basic line, you know, because these energy people, they won't kill anyone. Yeah, that's a fair point. You know, this is not the point that we elected them, you know, but, you know, bottom line is they will never hurt us, you know. They are working for us. We trusted it. And I'm just thinking then in terms, because when you were saying about having written the team tune for the NLD, like a lot of people have been kind of saying to us, you know, well, you know, things were not so good under the NLD for a lot of people, political prisoners, you know, things like that. Were you aware of that? Are you, were you supportive of them, but aware of some issues? No, some of the steps, there are a lot of stuff that I don't agree with them. You know, like jailing these two journalists, Wallon, I, I didn't like it. But the thing is, you know, the main reason that I made that song was the song that they produced before was, you know, it's very toxic and, you know, not good for people. I didn't find out about that, the flaws of NLD in the song. I was only telling, like, you know, if we don't have democracy, what's going to happen? That's my point of the song. 
like what they used to do before. Yeah, like you're you're able to see the difference, like of you're not saying the NLD is perfect or the new government is perfect, but they're not the military. They're not killing us, you know, and they're on the right yes. track. Mm. Yes, but you know, you see the country actually develop, though. You know, there are a lot of good stuff that we've never seen. Like we never had regular electricity before. Like those kind of stuff, you know, I know these trying to fix everything and, you know, we got good roads, you know, and good sanitary system, and those kind of stuff. So they are doing it for the people, you know, actually, but of course they have flaws, you know. And I think that's it. A lot of people often say to us like, oh, you know, there wasn't that much progress, but you guys felt the progress in, in many ways, as you say, things like just electricity. I mean, there are so, there's so much progress, you know, like. In Yangon, even like you know, don't don't look at Yangon. Just go out because I tour a lot, right? So I, I've been everywhere in Myanmar. So in the military era, I, I was there, and there's a lot of towns that don't even have streets, you know, and actual markets and a lot of stuff. But now they are totally developed, and you know, it takes time, but they are actually working. There was a time where your music was banned from the radio because you. Yeah, what? many times. Yeah, many times. Is it banned right now, actually? I'm curious. Probably. I'm sure it is. <laughs> yeah. It is now. Yes, yeah, they can't air my, the, the guy who walked in the radio city, they called me that they, they can't air anything wow. that I was in or I wrote. You attended an event, was it, to raise money for, uh, I could be wrong here, AIDS charity or something? Was that the first time? Yes. Tell us about that. That, that seems a crazy thing to get yeah. your music banned for. <laughs> you know, crazy is like, they're normal. Yeah, anyways. <laughs> yeah. I, I went there as a dentist, not as a singer or, you know, a music producer. I was there. They got many oral uh, manifestations, you know, like harpies and all, all that stuff. So I, I was working at a hospital at the time as a dentist. So I looked at them and, okay, they need this kind of medicine, oral ointment and stuff. So I bought them and went to there the next day. But I didn't know that it was funded by adult. So I was there and I give the medicines and I went back home. That's all. And the next day, uh, yeah, they released a statement that, you know, I'm doing some illegal stuff and, uh, radio stations are not allowed to play my songs and, yeah, TV stations and everything. I was stopped. I couldn't sing like, live skits. Crazy. Yeah. Just, just for, just for helping people, like. Yes, yes. I, I told them, you know, I didn't go there as a performer. You know, I went there to give them fucking medicines. That's all. And then, you know what they told me? They told me that, okay, there are a lot of other HIV standards that military funded. You know, why didn't you go there? You know, why this one? Why this particular shelter you go there? I was like, I didn't know. I don't care. You know, if it's a shelter, I go. You will never understand. And I told them, you know, I want there as a dentist. And if this crossed the line, just take back my license, you know, dentist license. Keep it. So but they don't. How does a dentist become a rock star? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know yeah. about that, that you were a dentist. That's new to me. I didn't know that. Bit. I used to, I used to work in a clinic and, and hospital for like three, four years after I graduated. Yes. But then I was like, yeah, it's boring. You know, I just want to be a musician and an artist. You so were, I kept that up. You were trying to do the sensible thing, have the good job. And then like, no, I'm going to follow my I, I had my own <laughs> clinic. So you were already a success. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure that your fan base are, are glad that that's what happened or they wouldn't have all your music. <laughs> You'd just be their dentist. <laughs> no, I didn't do it for them. It's for me. I can't be in a place, you know, 24-7. I, I can't be fixed. <laughs>
in one place. You know, you you have to go there nine to five, and、uh, it's not me. And are you finding this time where you have to be kind of quite still? Is that difficult for you at the moment, where you're not you're just stuck in one place? Is that hard? It is, but I'm trying to stay in a now. You know, I live in the moment. I can't be anxious thinking about the future much because it's gonna drive me crazy. So I just try to focus and I draw cartoons. So, what was your advice to people right now who are maybe struggling? What would you say to them? How to kind of keep going? Because the one thing I find people say that they have this time, but they have no motivation. This kind of blackness has come over them. You know, it's very hard to do anything that they love. I'm sure pretty much everyone is feeling that way. You know, because we got plans and it's all pressed down. So a lot of people are depressed, of course, and that is one of another reason that I made my podcast. You know, it's kind of like motivation because, yeah, of course you burn out. You know, you don't have any inspiration to do stuff. You know, so I'm just trying to motivate them. But actually, I don't actually have the answers. You know,、mm-hmm. we can make things easier, but you know, we don't. We cannot just dive directly to the answer. And you haven't lost your sense of humor in all this, and. <clears throat> You're always kind of cracking jokes on your social media and keeping people laughing, you know, which, yes, which is a good、yes. thing. You're not the only celebrity who has joined the protests or, or got involved, but Raymond, who was a good friend of yours, who passed away, that must be quite difficult、yep. for you as very, well. Very, still, I'm still struggling with that. We were like so close, like super close, you know, we're like brotherly close, and we worked on a lot of projects together. All that stuff, and you know, all of a sudden, you know, people disappear. It's weird. And I mean, you just had done that song together as well. I mean, in some ways, how lucky that you had that time together,、yes. you know, and you found that、exactly. opportunity because you、exactly. didn't know what what lay ahead. But it think- was like the last memory because after that song, we all scattered. You know, we have to leave. You know, we are on our way. And I think one of the other guys on the song, he's training now with the military, or not with the、Nova. military, with the Nova. He- Yeah, he's actually taken up arms and is in training. Is that right? Yes. Wow, crazy! Unbelievable. <laughs> we use leaders and you know samplers and keyboards, and now we are like talking about guns and shit. It's crazy. Like just when you、yeah. think about it, like just that it's just you guys had it made. Like in some ways, I can understand those whose dreams have just been taken. But when you had your dream and you were living your dream, and then to Give it up, and like, but you、yeah. have like, you could have stayed quietly and maybe tried to keep your head down and hold on to some of that. You know? I can, I can, but you know, no, I can't.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can if I try to, you know, if I want to fit in. But I, you know, no, you know, I'm 38 already, and you know, enough bullshit. And I think even for like a lot of people who, you know. Early on, when they weren't speaking out, they pretty much lost their fan bases anyway. Like you know, a lot of people just turned their back on celebrities who thought they would just pretend nothing was happening in the country. So, yeah, I I don't think you can win either way. You know, if you do keep your head down, then what are you teaching those around you or you know your fans? Yeah, but what I'm focusing is I don't I don't see myself as a celebrity or any rock star. I, I'm just a normal citizen, you know, who make art. That's how I see myself. And in this matters, in this coup, I have to. I'm a citizen, so I have to stand with with the citizens. You know, it's mandatory. You gotta do that. You you have to represent. You know, it's it's not your duty, but I have to do something. You just have a good attitude. <laughs>
But you have a lot of empathy, I think, as well. Like you care about people. It, it seems, you know, like you're someone who cares. Yes, I do. Yeah. Yes, I do. I don't think everyone is like that, you know. <laughs> but I think as well, one of the things I was reading uh, or listening to, uh, it was subtitled, which is why I could understand it. But uh, it was a short interview someone had done with you a few years ago. And they were asking you different questions. And one of the questions was like maybe the strangest or weirdest thing that had happened to you. And some fan had bit your shoe or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? That was so it's, random. It's an old interview. How did you? I, I was I was stalking, as I say. <laughs> you are good. You were right. Yes, you were good. <laughs> yes, it, it, it was, I think, 12 or 13 years ago. It was in a club. It was a Nirvana tribute gig. We were singing Nirvana song, Nirvana cover. And then we sing our songs as well. And then, yeah, I was putting my foot up on a monitor, friend monitor. And then suddenly I feel the sharp, the bite. And I was like, yeah, that guy is biting my top of the shoe. And won't let go. I was like, down, you know, <laughs> shake it off. My fans are crazy. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, we'd love to find the guy who will say, I bit his shoe one time at a gig. <laughs> I hope he remembers. <laughs> We've seen a lot of people where they, they can't find you, then they arrest other members of families. We've seen that, which is a really like, it's really horrid tactic, which you don't tend to see, you know, where they, you know. They even arrest the kids. You know, if they got your house and you're not there, but your babies are there, they're going to arrest your baby. It's crazy, isn't it? Like, right. you think? The four-year-old girl in prison on her birthday. Because yes, yes, you heard it, right? Yeah. 70-year-old yeah. man beaten to death yesterday as they raided a village. It's just, it's absolutely yes. horrendous. And I know I completely understand what you're saying, and that it, it does seem very desperate situation, but... I just, I can't get my head around how in this day and age, I mean, we look at Afghanistan right now and how much that is on the news and where it is everywhere. And there's a lot of pressure on lots of different countries to take refugees, rightly so, because, you know, Britain got involved, America got involved. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I just, it just breaks my heart to see what's going on in Myanmar and there not being that kind of response. Like, where is the international presence saying we need to get these people out? We need to get these artists out of prison. We need to get these kids who only went on a march. It's just, I'm just very let down on behalf of my country that they're not doing more and they're not getting more involved in this yeah, yeah. world news every day. Yeah. You know, while we heard about those kind of things, like they arrested the kids and, you know, killing the 14 year old girls and stuff, we were super shocked. I don't have words. Nobody has words. We, we we were like muted, you know. And then it took us like months to digest that, to let that sink in. And now we can talk like normal people. But I still have that in the back of my head, you know, all that visionaries and videos. Yeah, it's a lot for people to carry every day as well. You know, like having to accept that you can't do anything about it. It's It's killing me. So at least I'm trying to like, you know, with soft power, I'm trying to attack them, you know, trying to point them out. And I think it's the least I should do. Like, do you think that because they're coming after you for a cartoon or because of a song, is that a sign of their desperation in some ways that like they're worried or afraid of a cartoon or a song? I don't know about the songs or the cartoons. I think it's that they hate it. Like a person like me having a lot of followers starting to go against them. So they want to like make it as an example, you know, to set me as an example. Okay, this guy, he got 
uh, followers and he, you know, he's not staying in line. So we killed him. So what about you? That kind of stuff. Actually, there are a lot of stuff that, you know, they did it worse because this one foundation guy, he's very respected man, right? And he got arrested overnight. Like tonight he got arrested and the next day they give them his body, which is totally the torso is like totally fucked up. Like, you know, and, and we know that he got like, acid or like hot water like pour down in his throat and stuff you know all this it's super traumatizing for the family you know the thing about the family the next day they go and pick him up and they saw that face you know they, they're trying to just break down all the spirit you know yeah i would break your spirit once and for all yeah so you're so brave you're so brave still doing your cartoons and you might just say they're doodles but they're really not they're what show you history they're the things that show you what the people were thinking and what the thoughts were and what the support was. So it, they're definitely important and very powerful. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's hard to see what's happening. In some ways, it's worse because you had this freedom as well, you know, because you, you've had a taste of life and it's nearly worse, you know, to, yeah. to then have it taken from you. And as we say, nobody is really talking about it here. Like, like I came home to Ireland at the end of February. Like, so I was there for maybe the first three weeks of the coup. And then I left and nobody here knew, only my immediate family because I was there, you know, but like. Yes, it's amazing because it's everywhere on Facebook, but I think it's only in our cycle. You, you know, have to be following it. Yeah. If you follow the hashtags or if you are actively following the right journalists yes, or, yes. or people. It show in your no, it, no. It is weird. It know? is. Yeah. Which is why we did the podcast because we were like, you know, at least now loads of people we know know what's happening because they're listening to this and. It's trying to put real people into, like, you're a person, you know, and hearing you and knowing your story resonates with people more than if, you know, they're just reading about it secondhand. So we're just trying to show these are real people who have... And the voice out, yes. Because we're just so shocked at how little people know. And when I tell people, they're like, oh, my God, I didn't know this was happening. Where is this? I'm not seeing wow. this, you know. They just, they don't I know thought, about it. I thought a lot of people know. A lot don't. A lot no. don't. They the, said, the pop banging on the news, the wow. pop banging was huge. The initial CDM and the lights shining and the pop banging, that was everywhere. That was like world news every day. And then as it's got more... But then afterwards, no. Yeah, yeah, to be honest, unless you're going to certain news sources, it's not making the everyday news here no. in the UK. It is sad. Yeah, it it's really bad. And when you see the stupid things that make the news instead, it really make you angry. <laughs> Stupid yes, thing. Because basically we are in the nutshell, you know, so we don't know what's actually, you know, who is seeing these nutshells from the outside of the nutshell. We don't know. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a global thing, you know, mm -hmm. oh my God. It was for a small <laughs> period of time. Like, I mean, I think on the day that they killed like a hundred people in one day, that made it to the news here. And then after that, I haven't really seen it in the news here. I think when Aung San Suu Kyi's trial, then that makes the news because she will always make the news here. But. Other than that, not as much. There are some journalists who are pushing and trying to get it into the news, but it's just not, yeah, it's not making it. It's really frustrating. The last brutal thing that I remember seeing on the news was the, you know, the hospital volunteers, the volunteers, mm -hmm. care workers, then when they were beaten, that was the yes, last Yes, that, yeah. That's the, the middle last, guy died. Yeah. Did and that's the last brutal the image. With the blood, yes. The last brutal image that made the mainstream news here. Oh, so they show it in their major media. Okay, yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's yeah, not they bad. Yeah, they showed it. Yeah, some things good. good. So yeah, we have people listening in different countries. So it's it's our contribution. I mean, it's not much, but it's us trying to do something, you know. 
But what's next for you then? I mean, obviously things are uncertain, but you're working on your art. You call it doodling, or um, but it is art. I mean, you're very talented, actually. Art- it's just easy name I give them. You know, they're mm-hmm. asking me what kind of form it is. I'm just, you know, I don't want to make it a big deal. So I was like, yeah, I'm just doodling. But actually, I have concept and everything. Because your very first exhibition was called Out Intelligence. Intelligence, yes. What What was the meaning of that word? That like what you were doing was not intelligent. Was that what you were saying? Yes. <laughs> it's like you know, opposite of intelligence. Because when I draw, I don't use my conscious mind. I don't sketch. I don't draw with pencils and layer on it. No, I just go right to it. So I don't use my intelligence. That kind of stuff. But you know, it's 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 a catchy name. Yeah, it is. <laughs> My second exhibition was micro, but it's all like my feet kind yeah. of bloody. <laughs> yeah. I saw some of the pictures. Yeah, they were. And you had like music so you, people can listen to music while looking at the pieces. It was kind of an experience, the whole thing. Yes, yes, experience. And I want them to look the paintings with the music that they have in their ears, you know. So it's like the vibe. I'm just, I'm just making a new vibe, I think. And in terms of your future. What do you want to be remembered for when it's all over? What do you want people to say about you? I don't actually care about that, but <laughs> I want them to remember me as an artist, a Burmese artist and a cartoonist. That's all. You know, I'm, I don't have many ambitions. I don't have big ambitions on it, but I, I want to keep on living as a, an artist, though, if I have a chance. Well, I hope that you can. I think the world is a better place for having you and your talent in it. If there's a way to continue your work, because it's important what you're doing, you know, your art, your music, all of that is so important. And we forget it sometimes, like we take it for granted, you know, but it's, it's yes, important. Yes. Yeah. So we are really grateful that you, you come and chat to us because we've talked to such no a, a range of people. And I mean, what you're doing is great. Like it's so great. And I'm sure your daughter you. is so proud of you. Like, you know, to grow up with that kind of role model is worth anything. You know, you're doing a great job. I just, I just hate that that's what's happened to your life, you know? Yes. I just, it, yes. it seems I so it. unfair. I totally get it. You know? But uh, thanks so much for talking to us. You're such a positive person. It's amazing for, for everything you're going no through. That smile and that positivity is great. So great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. And for thank your time. you too. Thank, uh, thank you both for, yeah. you know, doing this thing, you know, for yeah. my country. Thanks so much for your time. No worries. Bye, Bye guys. Have a great day ahead. You too. Thank you for listening to Arnar Podcast. You can follow us on all major social media platforms. It's at Arnar Podcast, spelled A H N A H. Please like, follow, and subscribe. Myanmar remains in our hearts and thoughts. We have not forgotten you. Let's keep the conversation going.